American Redoubt Radio Operators Network and is a nationwide disaster preparedness network made up of patriot-oriented radio operators. So, Amron phonetically, Alpha, Mike, Romeo, Romeo, Oscar, November. This is a directed net, so please hold any traffic until that control station calls for it. Any emergency traffic may break in at any time. Covering tactics, techniques, news, technology, and concepts related to emergency communications in support of the American Redoubt Radio Operators Network and disaster communications in general. This is Partisan Radio. Welcome to Volume 25 of Partisan Radio. We are currently at AMCON 5, which is the lowest Amron condition level with no known threats to our communications infrastructure. If you are a net control operator, be sure to announce the most current AMCON level in the preamble of your net script. Thank you all for tuning in and welcome to all of our new listeners and our new Amron operators, great to have you aboard. Some great testimonies coming from all of you who are getting your comms up. I just wanted to also announce this week the website at amron.com, A-M-R-R-O-N.com. We've been experiencing some experiencing some issues at amron.com and radiofreeredoubt.com due to a plug-in that was apparently updated. It had some corrupted code and it messed all kinds of things up. So we are working on that. Everything should be just about operational other than uh, the calendar. There is no calendar right now. We don't know why. We had to disable it because that was causing the problems. And uh, we were trying to get that fixed. So we're working on it. Stand by and be ready to check that calendar that nets calendar when it comes up and operational look in the net directory and if you don't see a net in your area uh, speak up and start a net we have uh, plenty of folks that can help you get going and there's nothing to be nervous or worried about you've got help around you so we want to help make the american readout radio operators network keep growing and expanding uh, approaching 2500 Members now across the country with uh, members in every state and Canada and Puerto Rico and beyond. We put a poll out to the Amron Corps asking folks what they thought about moving the 20 meter nets back one hour. So, in other words, we are not going to move the 20 meter net start time when the time changes this fall. Uh, several folks have said overwhelmingly and unanimously the 20 meter nets moving back would be a huge help for everyone and mostly for uh, propagation purposes. So with the time change coming up, no time change for HF national nets on 20 meters. We will resume with the summer Zulu time schedule, which means 0130 Zulu time, and that will be year-round regardless of what the what time zone you're in or whether or not you have daylight savings time or not. 
It will be 01.30 Zulu time. If you don't know, Zulu time never changes. They don't change their clocks in the spring and in the fall for daylight savings time. So that will be 01.30 Zulu time all the way around. Uh, A couple of folks, especially on the western side of the country, said that could create some hardship on the Pacific region with people getting off work. But here's the problem. We consistently see the beginning of the voice net on 20 meters just booming in. You can hear stations from all over the place like you're on VHF talking to each other on a handheld across the street from each other. And it never fails. About 12 to 15 minutes into the net as the sun is setting, uh, the band just deteriorates. And you're down to listening to one or two other stations, oftentimes just on ground wave. Uh, by time the net's over with. So our thought is we'd be better off having 20 check-ins uh, with all 20 operators being able to hear each other mostly than having 50 stations there trying to check in who can't hear each other because propagation. Because later in the evening, the 20 meters, is that's a daylight, daytime band. Uh, there are times when the bands open up and it's it's nice, but it's not really something you can count on. So we will be moving. We will be uh, keeping the twenty meter uh, time at zero one thirty Zulu for voice and zero two thirty for digital. Now eighty meter nets after November first, we will be switching over to eighty meters for the winter. That is because in the uh, in the winter time. The 80-meter band tends to open up, and the 40-meter band tends to deteriorate, and opposite for uh, for the summertime. So we are going to be switching over to the 80-meter, and we will also be changing the times uh, because of uh, daylight savings time. So don't forget, it's 2,400 hours or 0000, hours Zulu time. Uh, on the East Coast, when that rolling net begins with the first voice net, that will be at 2,400 hours. Zulu time. This coming spring, we're going to take a poll. We may just keep that so that that 40, 80 meter net starts at 2,400 hours all year round. That will push the net further into the evening, which, of course, 40 and 80 meters are much more favorable at night than in the daytime. So that's our reasoning behind that. We'll put an uh, Amron network poll out there in the spring to see if we want to stay on this schedule and uh, make it year-round. So don't forget, 3818, 3.818 lower sideband for voice starting after November and or after the 1st of November. And then the digital will go to 3588 or 3.588 upper sideband in contestia mode 4250 unless otherwise indicated. Let's talk about some amateur radio news. This week, Hurricane Patricia, the most powerful hurricane on record with winds upward of 200 miles an hour and more prior to making landfall. But fortunately, it lost most of its devastating energy as soon as it made landfall. So it quickly was reduced just within hours down to a tropical depression. That was good news, not just for Mexico, but also for our Texas 
Patriots because they were already dealing with torrential rains and then they were expecting the remnants of this hurricane to come through, which fortunately fizzled out and it just turned out to be a couple of rainy days. And most of the reports that I got back from folks were saying, we're very blessed here. It just rained, but uh, nothing unusual as far as flooding goes in almost all the areas that reported in. But the ARRL put out a notification. They're asking folks to keep 14-120, and 7050-7060. Keep it free. 7060, I believe it was. Lower side band, 40 meters. That was going to be the primary. Now, in the ham community, we generally want to stay away from those frequencies during an emergency, unless you're on frequency monitoring and standing by to provide assistance, which many Amron operators were doing. In fact, on 7.060 lower sideband, Amron operators were actually announcing their presence. They're saying this is, you know, Amron operator in such and such location standing by for any emergency traffic uh, monitoring. But there was a group yakking away down at 7030 kilohertz, 7.030 lower sideband, where when they ask for, because of emergency situations, to keep the frequency clear, that means stay clear of the frequency because you need about 5 kilohertz separation so you don't bleed over into the frequency that folks are trying to set aside for emergency traffic. If there was an emergency, if there were emergency traffic trying to be passed on 7060, it's very possible you would not have been able to hear it because of the interference from this net from these folks that were just continuously talking nonstop. And it wasn't a contest either. You know, when contesting is going on, they're just continuously on there. They're like the spandex-wearing bicycle riders on the road that won't move over. You know, that's uh, those are contesters. No offense to the contesters out there, but, boy, they want everyone to go around them. These guys, in fact, were not contesters, but nonetheless, they still were interfering with this uh, frequency. Matter of fact, I have an audio file I want to share with you, and there's some Amron operators trying to talk to each other on 7060, and they are, in fact, talking about some of the uh, the interference and the strong signals from these guys. Take a listen. I know we've been on here before all this Now, I know this is super obnoxious and annoying to listen to, but that's what people are hearing when they're trying to communicate during an emergency when somebody is bleeding over because they're not separating wide enough. They're over, they're only three kilohertz off instead of five. Just keep this in mind when frequencies are trying to meet, remain clear and you're trying not to interfere with other stations. And the, uh, the other stations monitoring were noticing the same thing and they commented on it. And you notice that annoying uh, Donald Duck sound. Uh, you can hear the voices. That that's the other stations on the adjacent frequency. That's what you're hearing. There's guys. There's guys on two o three right now that are hitting me uh, seven by nine. 
Anyway, enough of that. You get the point. You understand how that could interfere with emergency communications that are trying to go on. So uh, that's just the lack of situational awareness on the the net that was operating. They they should have moved down, you know, a couple of kilohertz. And uh, unfortunately, somebody didn't pop in there and say, "Hey, guys." I mean, with all the operators they got on that net, some someone should have heard something from the uh, from the ARRL that they could have passed along. Talking about the stations in Texas that were reporting in, uh, they had very minimal damage, uh, but they were saying that the 40, 20, and 10 meters uh, that was put out by the ARRL for folks to monitor for emergency traffic was all crammed with contesters, so getting through locally to anybody was impossible, as you just got to hear. Of course, these guys were not contesters. It was just uh, some other type of net going on. And he also adds this. I want to share with you. He says, I still see an issue with MCOMs, emergency communications, with preppers and patriots. They just don't practice. They don't use their radios daily, don't know how to program them, what to expect as far as range, what frequencies for their area to monitor. Even the people I help get licensed are still hesitant to key the mic and talk. They just don't take the time to know their gear well enough. Of course, that goes for any of their prep items, too, like water filtering, fire building, trapping, knots, weapons. I think they just like hoarding neat stuff and feel safe because they have it just in case. Well, I understand those sentiments, and I feel the same way. We have very low participation among Amron, just like any, any group who has membership. It's only a small portion of them who actually participate and are engaged in the process. So my hat's off to you guys who are dedicated. There there are a lot of you, but compared to the number of folks who sign up, uh, they don't train as often as they should. They are not familiar with their equipment. And even among Amron, which we have a pretty high rate of uh, successful communications among Amron, especially Amron Core. We have higher participation rates among the Amron core operators, but still uh, not in comparison to the number of members that there are. So I just want to encourage you guys to train and practice regularly. It's not enough to listen in on that one net that one time and say, oh, okay, I know it works. And you stick it away and you never tune into another net. You don't participate. You don't practice with your gear. And then you're stumbling and fumbling around trying to figure out why your radio is not working properly when an emergency happens because you're not training with it. And you have to train with it. Now, last week we did a training exercise on partisan radio. At the end, there was a there was a digital mode uh, communique that was put out on PSK31. Now, if this is new to you, go to amron.com, go up in the upper right-hand corner, and type in the search word digital. It's free software. It's very simple to use. And this is a way to send uh, digital communications, like texting, over the airwaves. Uh, it gets through when voice won't. It goes much farther on less power. Uh, it's very reliable and it's more private, not secure, but it's private because anyone who doesn't have this software to decode this can't understand what you're saying to each other. It sounds like a fax machine, very obnoxious noise, but to a radio operator, 
that's music to our ears because that is communications. That is a message coming through. And in this case, we use the mode PSK31. Now, inside the PSK31 were a series of numbers. And this was a one-time pad message. If you're not familiar with one-time pad, which is secure, it is encrypted. It is unbreakable encryption as long as you properly handle the key and keep it secure. Of course, in this case, it's not really, uh, it is encrypted, but it's not considered secure because we put the key for this training purposes out over the whole world to see on the internet. So you can train. And we introduced something that we hadn't done, uh, I don't think before, or if we have, it's been a long time. And that was numbers. Numbers are handled a little bit differently than regular text when you're encrypting these. So we introduced this. This was a great exercise. It was a series of numbers that started with 60203-52139-539-14, and so on. And what you saw printed out when you use the PSK audio file and the digital decoding software, you saw this. The willow tree bends in the north wind, and then a series of numbers. Now, for those of you who've been following along in training, when you see willow tree that tells you a key piece of information. It lets you know which one-time pad to use to decode this series of numbers. We've used for training purposes, we've posted on the website, if you type in one-time pad and hit enter, use that search word, you'll find a PDF file in one of those uh, postings that says the tree series one-time pad. There are numerous pads on there, each one of them named with a different type of tree, pine tree, willow tree, elm tree, so on. In this case, they knew to use the willow one-time pad in the tree series of one-time pads to decode this. The number that it started off with was 60203, which is the first number, incidentally, in the one-time pad, so you can quickly visually identify that you're using the correct pad to decode this. After that key ID, that 60203, then the message begins. And this is what it said. For those of you who decoded it properly, good job. This is what it said. Covert comms dash 1 Samuel 20, 18 through 22. Now, this confused some people. First of all, I did a typo, and it came out first Samuel. There was a Y instead of an L. But I quickly corrected that. Still, there were numerous uh, uh, listeners who had downloaded the, the, the typo version, and you got first Samuel instead of Samuel. But most people figured it out. They went right to it. That's actually a scripture. 1 Samuel 20, 18-22, is one of the first known examples of covert comms ever being recorded. And uh, that is where Jonathan said, I'm going to fire an arrow over the rock that you're hiding behind. And when I tell the boy to go fetch the arrow, what I tell him is going to indicate whether or not to you it's safe and you should leave and hide, or, or that it's dangerous, you should leave and hide or that it's uh that it's safe for you to come out and uh, that was covert communications way before radio and we'll be doing more of those but that's what the decoded decrypted message was from last week's 
uh, one-time pad exercise. If you're new and this is unfamiliar to you, uh, I'll give you a couple pointers. You can go back to last week for Partisan Radio, Volume 24, and at the very end of that, you'll hear uh, a coded message that is put out in digital modes using PSK31. You decode that, and that'll give you the series of numbers that you will use the one-time pad for for decrypting. Lots of you got it, and good job. Congratulations. You are that much farther ahead as communications operatives. One day in the future, this stuff could come in really handy. Now, somebody said, I tried decoding it, but it wouldn't come out right. It came out as gibberish until I hit the RV button, and then all of a sudden it started decoding. Well, that is strange. The RV button on your FL Digi software down in the lower, almost kind of in the right-hand corner, off to the right, uh, that is reverse Okay, and the only experience I've had with this is during a digital national net when net control was sending his preamble, no one could read it. And someone in the live chat room said, hey, I just hit the RV button and now I can read everything. It's decoding. So we all hit our RV or reverse button. And to our surprise, we could all decode. So I called the net control operator on the phone and oops, he had his RV reverse button clicked. So he was sending it out like opposite reverse uh it somehow inverted the the uh digital message now here's the strange thing though the next net the same thing happened and when i called the net control operator he said i double checked my settings my rv is not on i'm looking at it now and i don't have the rv checked green and i double checked my settings as well as several other operators and we turned our rv on so it was checked green and suddenly we could decode. And what's strange is that net control did not have his turned on. Then to add more confusion, several operators couldn't copy net control with the RV turned on, like most of the rest of us. And many operators had to keep theirs turned off to decode properly. And this went on for a few nets, baffling everyone. And then it suddenly stopped. So no one can figure out what they did, including net control. To this day, none of us can explain it. Um, I'd have to do some online research to find out more about that anomaly and what causes it and how widespread or common it might be. Somehow something is getting inverted, whether it's a bug in a certain version of FL Digi or something. And uh, it would be interesting if it keeps doing that. Uh, let me know what you guys come up with as well. A couple of other reasons why it might not decode. Here's the number one. Here's the two top reasons. One is your squelch. Down in the lower right-hand corner on your FL Digi, digital decoding software, make sure you click your squelch button so that it's on. And then take that little slider switch on the right-hand side, down in the lower right-hand side. It's white. It's oval. It looks like a tic-tac. Grab that and slide it up until that squelch turns from yellow to green, uh, or, or from green to yellow, just until it turns yellow. And that will stop all the gibberish from going across the screen, and you want to make sure your squelch isn't turned up so high that you're not decoding anything. You could be squelching the whole signal out, so bring that squelch down to the level where it's not uh, not quite green, Bring it back up so that it turns yellow again. And then anything coming over that should uh, should decode just fine. 
as long as you got your audio settings correct. The other problem uh, with gibberish coming across the screen is your volume is too high. Remember, digital is a very robust uh, mode or modes. So turn the volume down. You don't even need that much volume at all. In fact, there's been times when I couldn't hear or see a signal on the waterfall, but it was decoding because I was clicked on on the correct place on the waterfall and it was decoding. It's very sensitive. So you don't have to have the volume, you know, up to the, the point where you're overdriving that audio signal and then distorting what's being printed out. There's a couple tips, things that can help you out there. Now, uh, finally, before I wrap up, somebody asked a question about one-time pads. And he says, I've been thinking, are there any ways on the one-time pad if the need arises and the need to vacate to a location, can one-time pad be used to send map coordinates like lat long, long grid? And if so, how? Can you do some training on that point? Okay, I think if I understand your correct your, your question correctly, yes, you can send a one-time pad to send any information, numbers or letters. Uh, you can generate your own one-time pads, and you should. Do not use the tree series one-time pads, which are for training only, uh, for real-world secure information when you have to send very critical information um, that is very sensitive. You can go to... Uh, where I go to generate the one-time pads for Amron exercises, and that is at 4millab.ch. I'll spell it all out for you. Go to www.4millab, that's F-O-U-R, like the number four spelled out, mil, M-I-L-A-B, dot C-H, 4millab.ch, slash, one-time, that's O-N-E-T-I-M-E, one time, slash O-T-P-J-S, Oscar, Tango, Papa, Juliet, Sierra, dot H-T-M-L. And I'm just spelling this all out for you just in case something happens to the website or I can't get this posted or we can't get the link or whatever it is. Now you have the, the audible version of it. You can write that out. So go to www.4millab. Dot ch slash one time slash otpjs dot html and right there you can customize it you can uh, set up however format you want uh, or whichever format you would like and uh, then copy and paste it into notepad and print it out remember though if you're tied to the internet uh, online do not consider that secure uh, there are random number generators uh, but uh you have to use those on an air-gapped computer, one that is not or ever connected to the Internet. And, and some would even argue that one-time pads generated on any computer cannot be considered secure, uh, even if totally air-gapped. Um, one-time pads can be recovered if the computer is captured or compromised in some other way. And there's also ways to get information off a computer without it being connected to anything. We're working on a project for producing one-time pads that will be faster than by doing it by hand. But the best, most secure way is to produce the one-time pads by hand. Old-school operatives uh, would use a pair of dice for producing truly random numbers. And that is uh, in that one-time pad printout PDF document that is also on the website. 
It gives the, uh, the whole rundown on one type pads and how to use them. And then they would hand write out the pads. You can use carbon paper for making copies to be distributed, but make sure you, you destroy the carbon paper by fire. Uh, use a one-time pad only one time. Do not reuse a one-time pad. There's only one case that I'm aware of that a one-time pad was compromised and is because it was used for sending two messages that created a pattern they were able to break. Distribute by hand delivery to all of your parties and keep these very secure. You must, if you must, you can send uh, your one-time pads via encrypted email if you're using GPG encryption or Proton Mail, etc. Uh, if you absolutely must send uh, one-time pads and you cannot meet in person, do it encrypted inside of encrypted email. Or you can send it by snail mail to a mail drop using tamper-proof, tamper-evident plastic mailing envelopes. They're privacy envelopes. Uh, develop an authentication and a duress code that both parties know but are never written down and that are known only by the involved parties. For example, uh, one example might be to always include an equal sign after your key ID and before the beginning of your message. That way you know if the equal sign is not present, it's likely an imposter who's uh, sent the message, and you can consider the other friendly station to be either captured or the one-time pad otherwise compromised. Uh, so that would be a, a uh, authentication. Uh, that's just one example. And since I mentioned using an equal sign after the key ID as an example out in the open on a podcast available for the world to hear, you should not make your authentication code an equal sign after the key ID. You should have one-time pads and other covert communications plans established with friendly groups that you've developed relationships and rapport with and have vetted adjacent to you. And each group should be insulated from the others, uh, at least for Secure communications. If you have three groups in your network, you should establish a set of pads for the whole network to use, plus a separate set of pads unique to just you and each other group separately, individually. This way, if one group becomes compromised, the other two groups in your network can communicate with each other securely because you've established your own one-time pads between each group besides the one universal network-wide pad. And of course, you've never shared those with any other group except just one group. These should be kept very secure. If you keep them on a thumb drive, make sure you use TrueCrypt to encrypt the data, the one-time pads. Yes, TrueCrypt is still very secure, especially the older versions of it, which are available for free at uh, www.truecrypt.ch. I'll spell Tango, Romeo, Uniform, Echo, Charlie, Romeo, Yankee, Papa, Tango, dot C-H, as in Switzerland. TrueCrypt, just how it spells. You spell true, T-R-U-E-C-R-Y-P-T. Uh, now, one helpful hint is to be sure to dismount the encrypted. This is this is one of the things that was causing all the anxiety over whether or not TrueCrypt is really secure. So here's a helpful hint. Be sure to dismount the encrypted folder before walking away from your computer. Don't let the computer hibernate 
while a TrueCrypt folder is mounted to a drive. Change your computer hibernation settings if you need to, to say like 20 minutes. This will avoid your operating system remembering the password, and it does this so that when you wake your computer up, your mounted drive will still be open and accessible without having to re-enter the password and remount the drive. At least that's what I get from the research I've done. And the super security conscious techno geeks I know of still smile and say, yes, I absolutely still use TrueCrypt. So I trust them. And that's a wrap for this week's Partisan Radio. You guys keep getting your comms up. Congratulations to those of you who are getting licensed and striving to increase your capabilities. My hat's off to you guys. Thank you for all the hard work. I'm John Jacob Schmidt, 73. As ready, trained communicators... Right up to the present time, radio hams have been busy every single minute. The ever-increasing group of radio amateurs who have equipped themselves at their own expense with two-way radio sets by amateurs who saw their opportunity to render a public service and paid off for Americans in trouble.